This is Sirius FM on 105.7 broadcasting in the East Rand. Yes, our people, just gone 8.27 Central African time. We are joined on Quickfire Q&A with Mufti Ibrahim Smith. This is his segment. He's made it a world-renowned segment, a segment with full of barakah. Mufti Ibrahim Smith, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And who handed me Eve and Ochund, Mufti? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Shafat Yusuf in our listeners, mashallah, this is the first Jummah. In uh, this blessed month of uh, Sha'ban, that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, uh, you know, taught us the dua that we should ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala that barakah in the month of uh, Sha'ban, and of course the opportunity to witness the beautiful month of Ramadan that is uh, soon to dawn upon us, inshallah. Ji. Mufti Saba, now you and I are sitting here. You can see the screen properly, right? And uh, yes. there's this uh, question. I want you to read that question and answer it. Go for it, Mufti. Bismillah. This question says, Salah, Mufti, hypothetical question. If I have two wives, one at home looking after the kids and one who I work with in the business, how should I split my time between the two? Because I'm the whole day with wife two at work, but not spending quality time with her because we're working. So that is the question that the sender post Shafat. So, uh, yes, uh, so, uh, you know, that... uh, People need to understand that having more than one wife, uh, it is a responsibility, you know. It's not always because of lust. But uh, nevertheless, coming back to the question, so Islam has uh, commanded men to make justice and equality uh, with regards to spending time. But that is spending time during the evenings, the nights. The nights should be equal, not the days. During the day, you can be with whichever wife that uh, you want to be, you know. But the nighttime, that is what Islam is emphasized upon with regards uh, to justice. And it is also taken from uh, the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So uh, in the above scenario, the person is not doing any type of injustice because uh, his wife is also his co-worker. So nothing wrong with that. As long as he spends his nights equal, three nights here, three nights there, or two nights here, two nights there, whatever arrangements they have mutually agreed upon, you know, that is easy for him. Uh, for him, uh, that will be uh, also good. No problem. G. I tell you, Mufti Saba, you, any conundrum is given to you and you know how to sort it there. But I told Yusuf to mute. He's not muting. I don't know why he's not muting. Yeah, Yusuf, this is a mute button your end. And uh, yeah, and Mufti knows he must mute also. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. The muters. Voila, this question says, Assalamu alaikum, Mufti. What does the collapse of the national grid mean, uh, Mufti? Shafat, I've been warning people for so long that we face a possible national uh, grid collapse. You know, that means there will be no electricity, absolutely no electricity, and that will create chaos and pandemonium and anarchy amongst the people because people will take to the streets uh, that everything you have, not even your inverter, will save you. And uh, that will uh, most probably last. It takes about 14 days to have the grid restarted, you know, so you'll be back for the 14 days or three weeks, like back in the olden days, and the golden days where people had to make fire uh, to cook their foods. Uh, there will be no electricity, no flush toilets. Nothing will work, not even your taps, because all these things operate with electricity, the, uh, the valves and the pumps, etc. So people should prepare for that. We're not far from that. We're already on stage uh, six, and we're heading most probably for stage eight. Stage 10 is when they will steal the sun also. 
So uh, we're heading for all of these things, people, and this is serious. And uh, we should start preparing, you know, put your tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make istighfar and ask Allah to... Uh, to reverse all these uh, adverse conditions that are dawning upon the ummah, that has befallen the, the ummah. But uh, it will be critical, Shafat, because hospitals, generators, and all these other things, there will be no electricity. Uh, try to keep cash at homes, you know, because ATMs will not be accessible as well. So uh, this is not a doomsday preppers uh, advantage we're giving. This is a real threat and a possibility that we're facing. Since last year, I've been speaking about this. I've had meetings with people uh, that in the high up in the, in the high end, you know, and uh, they all warned us that this is a possible uh, outcome that will uh, dawn upon us on G. Absolutely, Mufti Saab. And uh, yeah, it is serious. Yeah, on serious FM. Uh, Mufti, yeah, you read that first question so well. I'm going to give you the honors of reading this next question and answering it. Go for it, Mufti. It says here, can a woman who is having her monthly recite Ayatul Kursi uh, the calls for protection, yes. So one is reading the Quran because of the intention of reading the Quran, and one is reading uh, those verses of Quran or those du'as that are mentioned in Quran or those adhkar, dhikr that are mentioned in Quran. For example, la ilaha illanta subhanaka inni kuntum nadhalimeen or qul huwallahu ahad with the intention of uh, reading it for protection. So there the intention plays a part. So when a, a female has a, a monthly menstrual period, then it is permissible for her to read it, especially when it is part of her daily wazifa, her daily practices, her daily rituals, you know, reading those uh, protection to us morning and evening. There's no sin upon her, there's no harm upon her. The ulama have permitted that G. Zakhallah for that, Mufti. Our deeds are presented and accepted on the 15th of Sha'aban, Mufti. It is not only, uh, our deeds are not only presented on the 15th of Sha'aban, it is also presented on a Mondays and Thursdays and Laylatul Qadr and other days as well. The reason for this is, uh, you know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permitted our deeds to be presented many times and not only once. Because every time it is presented, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes it as an opportunity to forgive the ummah. So the more times our, or the many times our, our deeds are presented to Allah, that's the times that we are forgiven. So we should be grateful. Even in that, it's a, be- a blessing and a bounty uh, for this Ummah Shafat, uh, that uh, our deeds going up, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives uh, that whomsoever he wills, and uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala overlooks also from whomsoever he wills. So make sure that you send up most of your good deeds, you know, make sure that it is followed also with complete sincerity and ikhlas. Ah, well said there, Mufti Sahaba, looking at this um, uh, message, it says, uh, Mufti Sahaba, should we permit our kids uh, to be inoculated at schools for measles? Yes, so we see the measles scare going around now. They call it the outbreak. I also seen that one recording yesterday, so uh, there's a uh, difference uh, of opinion, not the actual difference. Uh, there's a majority of the ulama uh, saying that uh, remember the adverse reactions and remember that these rollouts from the government, their specific measles vaccine that they use contains porcine, and the porcine is to increase, uh, increase uh, storage and shelf life, you know, so porcine injections or anything with porcine is not permissible uh, for Muslims, especially when there are porcine-free alternatives available. I even told them that Flix and Duskim and other pharmaceutical companies, they sell this, but that is not the actual question. The question is, will you allow your child to be inoculated 
uh, that you should ask, you know, so you have a proper assessment done of your child by a GP and you should ensure that uh, none of the uh, ingredients in there will cause adverse reactions. And this is what they do not do, Shafat. And then uh, the, there's autism. And then the children grow up with so many things. They're prone to every type of disease and illness. Uh, they have infertility issues and all these things. So all of this, although they will never ever admit it, it comes back to taking uh, these uh, type of vaccines. And that's why we have unhealthy children. That prior to the 70s, children could play bare feet outside. They could play in the snow, the wind, the rain, the sun, whatever, and nothing would happen to them. Now, just a simple thing in the air and everyone becomes so sick. So there is something behind this, all of this that we need to look at, G. Jim, of the questions are just flying literally left, right and center. There's another one. And that question says, no, 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 Shafat. Mufti is going to read me. So, Mufti, you read that question now. It says the tradition in our culture is to visit the funeral house on the first Sunday uh, uh, for offering condolences. Because of uh, long distances and because some of us may only learn of the death of the deceased at a later time, after three days or more, so the period for offering condolences may last for longer than three days. What is the ruling on that? So that is called tazia, you know, giving condolences. So whenever the time avails itself, so meaning there's sometimes uh, conditions uh, that uh, prevents a person from reaching in time to uh, assist in the burial or to offer condolences. Uh, so you can offer condolences in person. And if that is impossible because you're in a different country, then there is, of course, telephonic and uh, other means available that you can reach out to the family uh, by sending your condolences. What is important is that you you send your condolences either in person or either through uh, technological means like uh, social media, etc. So even after three, four days, no problem uh, that you can continue and uh, give your tazia to them, G. Uh, Mufti Saab, how does a person who had uh, both legs amputated perform ablution? So that person is not Mukallaf, that person is not uh, responsible because uh, he has lost both his legs, you know. So there's no uh, parts to wash there. You will just take kudu of the rest of the limbs as prescribed by the Quran, which is the face, the hands, etc., elbows. And uh, those places where the limbs used to be the legs, uh, those two places will be excused and his kudu will still be deemed valid, G. Uh, Mufti Saab, what's the ruling on using employee discounts on other members? Yes, so sometimes it's become uh, it becomes very tricky, you know. So if the discount has been offered solely for the employee, then only that person is authorized to use it. Anyone else using that discount, uh, that becomes cheating, and cheating is uh, not permissible in Islam. Unless the store, unless the shop owner, unless the people, the company, they permitted you to add family members or other beneficiaries that could benefit from that store discount. So sometimes you find that, that because you're working for a company, so your family family members are entitled, allowed 5 or 10% discount also. But that is at the discretion of the owner, of the store owner, or those people who disburse these type of discounts. As for you, that uh, buying or, or giving the discount to other family members, that is considered cheating, that is not permissible. Please refrain, G. Uh, Mufti Saab, uh, can a, uh, a Muslim woman wear long nails? Hey, hey, claws. <laughs> yes, uh, you, long nails is not a problem. Long nails should not be there for imitation of uh, Western cultures or, or these uh, other females out there, you know, because why do you want to wear long nails when Islam is asked you to uh, adorn yourself and keep yourself neat and tidy? Uh, that if the water does not go under the nail, then your hudu would not be valid. 
when your hudu is not valid, then your salah will not be valid. So because of long nails, you risk the possibility of compromising the validity of your salah, and that is something that you do not want to do. So you get two types, you get natural nails and you get nail extensions as well. So in both cases, you need to ascertain and make sure that water seeps underneath that nail. And uh, that is one thing, you know, then other dirt and grime will also go under these nails, uh, Shafat. So at the end of the day, it becomes more of a hassle than what it becomes a, a, a beauty enhancement. So as a Muslim woman, woman or female, a Muslim, I remember your Muslim identity, G. Assalamu alaikum, Mufti Sahaba. Can a Muslim state in his will that his organs will be donated to science after his death? That is basically saying that uh, the scientific community, the medical fraternity, those doing post-mortems, they can slice up your body into pieces, which is also a very, very painful uh, procedure. Although the ruh is out of the body, a person still continues to feel the pangs and pains of death way, way, way long after the shifat. So the body does not belong to you. It is given as in amanat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave it to you as in amanat. So it belongs to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You do not have the right to uh, designate and donate it after your demise. The only thing that you have a right to is that you'll be buried and uh, ghusl and kafan is made and you'll be put in a hole. That is what Islam has given you. Donating it for science so other scientists can play and toy with it and uh, uh, make a scientific uh, deductions from there, that is not permissible, G. Are we allowed uh, to put uh, fancy gravestones? A gravestone is basically a marker to identify a grave. So it should contain the basic information, you know, that uh, the person's name, the person's uh, family surname, and uh, most probably sometimes uh, the date of death, you know, when the person uh, passed away or when he was born. That is it. It should only be a marker. And uh, it shouldn't be fancy with all these Quran verses and made out of slabs of marble and decorated with so many other sometimes now calligraphy. That is a wasting of money and that is khilaf sunnah. It is against the teachings of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We're starting to imitate and emulate the other cultures and other uh, denominations out there, you know. Soon we'll be putting statues of angels as well, like other people are doing uh, when you pass these uh, other graveyards, you know, so that we're following them step by step and foot by foot. So we have to stop somewhere, Shafat, and uh, we have to uh, close the doors. It leads uh, to all these type of uh, unnecessary vanities, G. Ah, yes, I'm Mufti Saab. A DOB and DOD. Yeah. Date yes. of birth and date of the, uh, death. You want yes. to say, you want to write that DB something, Dhamad Barakat. But anyway, we'll leave that. <laughs> we'll leave that to you. That, uh, is, that is only for special hazards. That is not for people like me and you. <laughs> Allahu Akbar, you're very <laughs> humble. Mufti Saab, uh, nowadays uh, Muslims, uh, uh, Muslims uh, give lavish weddings uh, reception at wine estates. Please comment. Again, Shafat, you know that Inna al-Mubadirina kanu ikhwanu shayateen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that indeed uh, those people who squander and waste money, they are the brothers of uh, the devils, you know, so you get human devils as well. So people who squander, who waste, you know, the ummah suffering, uh, people in Turkey, people locally are suffering, and then uh, people still have time to give lavish uh, wedding receptions, and that in a wine estate of all places. Uh, and uh, then they justified it by saying we have halal caterers. The entire setting is haram, you know, uh, the intermingling of sexes. 
the dress code, all of these things, and then we expect barakah in the life of that couple. That is why after two, three months, they end up divorced because the wedding or the reception is void of any barakah, any good, any khair, you know. So I don't know why we follow trends, you know, that uh, Rasulullah Sallam uh, used to say, you know, that A'adhamu nikahi barakatan ayisaruhu ma'una ma'una and that the nikah that is the most barakah are the simplest one that is the most effort attached to that. So simple uh, nikah in a simple walima, coffee, friends, etc. You don't need all these white dress and uh, dining and tigers and this and that and all these fancy things, you know. That is squandering. Allah will take you to task for all those uh, rams and cents. Even if it is your own money, remember, you're just a postman in this world. You're a distributor of assets that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to you. So distribute and spend it well in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to be rewarded. Ji. MashaAllah, Mufti Saba, one organization in Johannesburg donated over 5 million for Turkey. But what do they do to alleviate the poverty of the local people? I would also like to know what happens, you know, mashallah, that Allah reward each and every South African that is made dua firstly for the people of Turkey. I have friends that sell on the ground uh, level there. Uh, they were caught up in the earthquake also two, three days ago. And uh, so much funds went from South Africa. So South Africans' hearts, uh, you know, always hearts of gold. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward and accept the efforts of each and every one. But this is a very, very good question that uh, donating five million uh, uh, to an outside course, uh, that is not the thing. The thing is that what do we do here? Uh, for locally, we send out posters that uh, put up a ball, a borehole here in a well there, in a this year, in a that year. But uh, we're not taking out of our own money, out of our own uh, uh, coffers as uh, organizations. We're still uh, asking the public for support instead of taking all the excess funds and investing it in a sustainable projects where the local people become self-sufficient, you know, that is the object of a Beitul Mal, that is the object of uh, of, of, of how the, the uh, modus uh, operandi should be uh, to enrich people and not to make them come back to your door every day for the same thing. Uh, in that way, poverty will be alleviated in South Africa. So I think uh, they, they also need a schooling in how to manage funds appropriately, you know, and to give importance to the local cause as well. Because uh, I like uh, the, uh, the the grid we spoke about now, that uh, if that should collapse, then all these local people, they'll be coming for us. Those people who are sitting with food, those people whose fridges are filled. As the, uh, uh, the riots happened in, uh, in, uh, in Durban uh, not too long ago, you know, that same scene will play out again, but just a bit worse. So win these people also over the local people and do your bit for local charity also, G. I tell you, Mufti Saab, absolutely brilliant uh, morning in uh, your company. A uh, beautiful uh, program. A quick fire Q and A with Mufti Ibrahim Smith. Your parting words uh, this morning. Mashallah, it's Friday. Shifat sin abandon durud upon Rasulullah sallallahu that uh, cry, stand up during the night, make the hajjud, ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to keep harm away from the ummah. Wherever the ummah is scattered, they're in need of hope. They are in need of our du'as. And let's cry for the sinners that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive each and every one of us. Jazakumullah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu to our Mufti Ibrahim Smith uh, for our sterling session. And I'd also like to thank uh, Yusuf Asmal for doing uh, great engineering and the listeners for sending in uh, such a beautiful questions. Keep it locked on to Sirius FM for beautiful programming, lovely nasheed interspersed. And uh, don't forget the spiritual hour coming through. And Mufti Akev and I will be giving the translation of the uh, you know, 
could be from the holy, holy, holy land. Uh, from the team and I, till we uh, meet you again, uh, we bid you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.